Today's podcast is brought to you by Howie's new book, Paperboy. To order today, go to HowieCarshow.com and click on store. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio, it's the Grace Curley Show. You can read Grace's work in the Boston Herald and the Spectator. The Grinch did not steal Christmas. Here's the millennial with the mic. They want you to say Grace. Grace Curley. Welcome back, everybody, to the Grace Curley Show. Happy Monday. Hope you're all having a nice one. Um, here in New England, the weather is kind of crazy. You know, a friend of mine texted me this morning and said, why is it when the weather channels and the news reporters don't make a big deal out of the storms that they're usually pretty bad? And then when nothing happens, that's when you get like 48-hour coverage beforehand of how it's going to be the worst storm ever. I was listening to the wind this morning in the office in this building, and I was like, damn, they didn't really blow this one out of proportion. 844-500-4242. Okay, so a couple of things. We talked about the Senate sex tape in the first hour, but we are going to continue to talk about it. So... If you missed it, let me just read you a tiny bit. Uh, It says, an alleged congressional staffer who filmed an explicit sex tape inside a Senate hearing room could face criminal charges. One lawyer argues the U.S. Capitol Police told Fox News that they were aware of an amateur pornographic video published by the Daily Caller on Friday, which shows someone identified as a congressional staffer engaging in sex with another man in Hart Senate Office Building Room 216. According to the Daily Caller, the video was leaked after being shared in a private group for gay men in politics. So that's a huge story today, and we will talk about it as the show goes on. But something else I wanted to mention. I opened the show with a story about Joe Biden. He was leaving his headquarters uh, in Delaware and a car barreled into part of Biden's motorcade. The Secret Service then, you know, rushed Biden into an SUV. He was okay. Jill was okay. But it was a scary situation. But before that happened, a reporter asked Joe why Trump was beating him in the polls. And I found his response very telling. And I'm going to ask Emma to play this cut because Joe is asked, why is Trump beating you in the polls? And what I love about Joe is that he will always deny, deny, deny. Denying reality is not a problem for Joe Biden. So he is like the gaslighter in chief. He loves to tell reporters and the American people that whatever they're seeing isn't real, whether it's inflation, whether it's what's happening at the border, whether it's the deficit. He loves to tell you that you're not understanding the message. So this was his response to why Trump is beating him in the polls. This is Joe Biden. Mr. President, why are you losing to Trump in the polls? Okay, and that was the sound of the car going into the motorcade. He says, you're reading the wrong polls. And yet, though, the Washington Post has a story that says Biden said to be increasingly frustrated by dismal poll numbers. Now, I would respond to that and say, you're reading the wrong polls, Joe. 
The, the polls that you have are supposedly a lot better than these polls. But it says the night before President Biden departed Washington to celebrate Thanksgiving on Nantucket, Mass., he gathered his closest aides for a meeting in the White House residence. After pardoning a pair of turkeys, Biden delivered some stern words for the small group assembled. His poll numbers were unacceptably low, and he wanted to know what his team and his campaign were doing about it. He complained that his economic message had done little to move the ball, even as the economy was growing and unemployment was falling, according to people familiar with his comments. Obviously, these people all wanted to be anonymous, per usual. For months, the president and first lady, Jill Biden, have told aides and friends they are frustrated by the president's low approval rating and the polls that show him trailing former President Donald Trump, the front runner for the Republican nomination. And in recent weeks, they have grown upset that they are not making more progress. Now, here's my take on this. If I were a member of Joe Biden's campaign staff, you know, his team, the Biden team, the best and the brightest, and this old dude comes in and starts grumbling on about how he's mad about his poll numbers and what am I going to do about it? I don't think I would take that to heart. I think I would be sitting in that meeting thinking to myself, what am I going to do about it? Have you seen yourself? Do you have a mirror? Have you watched any of these videos? How about you? What are you going to do about it, sir? Mr. President, do you plan on stopping sniffing people's hair anytime soon? Mr. President, do you plan on addressing all of your son Hunter Biden's alleged crimes and schemes? What about your daughter Ashley not paying her taxes? Mr. Biden, you your dog couldn't even behave. And you're going to lecture us on what we're going to do about your poll numbers? I, don't, I just wouldn't feel bad. And keep in mind, I'm very hard on myself. So if I work for someone and they were not happy and they were saying, you're, you're just not doing a good job, you know, like you need to be doing better. I would typically take that to heart. I would typically beat myself up over that. And I'd be like, you're right. You know what? I, I need to do a better job. I can't imagine that any of these staffers deep down in their hearts are thinking this is our fault. They have to be looking at this and going, we are doing all we possibly can okay and everywhere we turn there's a new disaster everywhere we turn you're stepping in more bleep it's hard to blame them and by the way if we're reading the wrong polls then why is joe biden upset he's so frustrated by these polls that he's telling us are actually great he said we're reading the wrong polls apparently he is too I just don't understand why he's frustrated when I've been told that everything's wonderful. His polls are wonderful. Inflation's down. The border's looking good. Now, if you want to talk about people who should be frustrated, it's the conservatives in this country. It's the people who haven't lost their minds. And a really good example is the aid that's being sent to Ukraine. So Republicans are now saying, you know, if you want us to send aid, more aid to Ukraine, we sent over $100 billion. If you want us to do that, then we're going to need some funding for our border here. Because it's wonderful that we're just sending billions of dollars to other people to protect their borders. But it would be nice if, you know, in Texas and Arizona, we could maybe secure our borders, which are wide open and people are just pouring in in droves. And that is seen by Democrats as like the most ridiculous, offensive outlandish request they've ever heard of the idea 
that politicians in America would want to secure our own border is preposterous. And look no further than Pramila Jayapal, the same woman who had a very hard time condemning the Hamas terrorists. She's now um, unable to even fathom how Republicans could be advocating for border security. This is cut one. She's asked by CNN if Biden will get a lot of backlash if he agrees to border security in this aid package to Ukraine. This is cut one. How much backlash will he get from the left if he does agree to these changes? He's gonna, there's going to be a lot. We have to put together a coalition that is the same coalition we delivered in 2020 for him to win the White House, for us to win the Senate, and for us to take back the House. Mm -hmm. And that coalition involves a lot of young voters. It involves a lot of immigrant voters. It involves a lot of folks of color. Okay, now, uh, this is a favorite thing for the left. They love to throw out the word immigrant, and they love to obfuscate around the fact that we're talking about illegal immigrants. They, they want to make that as unclear as humanly possible. But my other, my other question with this is, you know, Pramila says there's going to be a lot of backlash. And I, I wonder about that because I have to imagine that even Democrats, even people who live in, you know, the ritzy neighborhoods and have the hate has no home here signs, even those Democrats must be understanding at this point that this is untenable, that this cannot we, we cannot continue on like this. There has to be some sort of plan. And Joe Biden doesn't have a plan. I think what Pramila's talking about is that the same people who are going to malls to disrupt the, the Santa photos and, and chanting uh, free Palestine as a kid's trying to get a picture with Santa Claus, those people will be upset. Those people will be upset if Joe Biden does anything, if he lifts a finger to protect our border in the United States of America. And I'm starting to get the sense those people would be upset no matter what. My mom would call them malcontents, as a matter of fact. 844-500-4242. Let's listen to a couple of these protesters. Can I get a, this, these are Los Angeles protesters. Can I get cut three, please, Emma? No, I'm not the first person to say this. I'm far from the first person to point this out. But it is curious to me. Like, it is strange. Why did none of these people who are screaming, that's like blood curdling. Like, you can tell that the veins in their neck are probably going to pop soon. They're screaming, she's fire now, as they prevent taxpayers from going to work by blocking traffic. Why didn't I see any of this? when the war in Ukraine broke out. In fact, if you even mentioned a ceasefire, if you even mentioned some sort of resolution down the road, you were called a puppet of Putin. You were called a traitor. You, you, were, you were disparaged as someone who, you know, didn't like freedom or democracy. And yet now they're all rallying around this cry for a ceasefire in Israel, in the Israel-Hamas war, when Hamas has mentioned multiple times, they have no plans to cease fire. They're hoping that Israel ceases fire so that they can continue to fire at Israel, but they have no plans for a ceasefire. They want October 7th to happen again and again and again and again. And it's so strange to me 
that if you even brought up the idea of a ceasefire in Ukraine, you are painted as the worst person in the world. Now, these same people want us to send $100 billion to Ukraine, no questions asked. But if you suggest securing our border, you know what? They'll be screaming on the highways. They'll be screaming about the mamas and the babies and how, you know, inhumane this new policy is because it's inhumane for us to protect our country and to secure our borders. It's not inhumane for other places to do it. It's just inhumane when we do it. We're not allowed to use any common sense in the United States of America. That's just mean and nasty. We'll be right back. We'll take more of your calls. I say this all the time because it's true. Dr. Houghton is the man that you want to go to if you want to fix your smile. If you just want to even improve your smile slightly, he is the best. If you want to totally transform it, no question, you have to go to Dr. Houghton. He is so talented. He is an architect. And what I really appreciate about Dr. Houghton is that he's incredibly nice. And that's important when you're having someone work on your teeth, especially if you're like me, you get a little nervous when you're getting you know, work done on your mouth. You want somebody who knows what they're doing, who takes their job really seriously, and who will go at your own pace. And that's always my feeling when I get into any sort of doctor's dentist office. You, you got to walk me through it because I'm going to get a little anxious. That's exactly what Dr. Houghton does. And everybody else on his team, they're the best in the business. So you should take care of yourself. We're heading into the new year. Um, and it's easy to put yourself on the back burner. It's easy to say, I don't need to get any work done. I'll wait till next year. And then the year goes by and here you are again. So put yourself first because when you put yourself first, you feel better Everyone around you benefits, and it's just a great thing to do. Check this off your list, and there's a few ways that you can get in touch with Perfect Smiles. You can either call them, you can visit them. They're right off Route 3, um, very easy to get to, lots of parking. Or, and this is my favorite way, you can reach them at PerfectSmiles.com because if you go to PerfectSmiles.com, you can also check out the video testimonials. That includes Howie Carr and other people who made the decision to transform their smiles and their only regret is not doing it sooner. Go to PerfectSmiles.com. That's PerfectSmiles.com. Change your smile, change your life. We'll take all your calls when we come back. This is The Grace Curley Show. You're listening to The Grace Curley Show. This is The Grace Curley Show. Welcome back, everyone, to The Grace Curley Show. We're talking about how Joe Biden is allegedly, according to The Washington Post, very frustrated with his poll numbers. You know, he told that reporter uh, before the car ran into his motorcade that she was reading the wrong polls. But sources say that he's very unhappy with the polls, even if he doesn't believe them. And the other report that's kind of going hand in hand with this is that Obama is very concerned that Joe might not win in 2024. And typically, I understand headlines. I understand how it works. You want people to click on them. But this one really... I feel like doesn't need to be a story. Isn't it obvious that everyone would be concerned right now that Joe's going to lose in 2024? Anyone who has access to these wrong polls might say these don't look good. I mean, a lot of these polls have to do with key swing states and Trump is just walloping Joe Biden on all these fronts. And so is Nikki Haley. 
as far as a general election goes. I'm not saying you have to put a lot of stock in these polls. They've been wrong plenty of times before. But even if you take the polls out of it, Barack Obama was worried that Joe was going to lose the last time around. He was the one who said, you don't have to do this, Joe. He was the one who said, don't underestimate Joe's ability to bleep things up. If anyone is aware of the fact that Joe could lose this election, it would be Barack Obama. I'm just a little bit unsure of why that's getting so much attention, especially when you have things like a Senate sex tape in the news. Let's go to Mike. You're up next on the Grace Curley show. Go ahead, Mike. You know, Grace, uh, when you Jay uh, I'm sorry, Mike. Hold on. We're going to put you on hold. We'll try to get a better connection. I know you want to talk about Pramila Jayapal, and we will get to that. But let's just uh, let's figure out your connection first. In the meantime, I would like to do the poll question. And Emma, we actually have sound now that goes with this poll question. Today's poll question is brought to you by the Nauset Beach Inn. Right now, you can stay at the Nauset Beach Inn for under $200 this winter. It's a super cozy spot. If you're not sitting outside by the fire pits, you can sit inside with your own fireplace. It's right on the ocean, and you can reserve your pet-friendly ocean view room. Go to NaussetBeachInn.com. That's NaussetBeachInn.com. Emma, what is the poll question, and what are the results thus far? Today's poll question is who will bear the brunt of the Senate staffer sex tape scandal? Democrats, Republicans, Aiden Mesa Zorowski, Senator Ben Cardin, or Donald Trump? You've got that name down pat. You don't even hesitate, Emma. Thank you. Yeah, you're very talented. Um, Beyond that, though, Emma, I also want to talk about Cardin here because we have new sound. And it's not new sound. It's old sound. It's him talking about January 6th. But before we play it, I'm going to vote. I'm tempted to vote for Trump because everybody's always blaming him for everything. But I'm actually going to vote for Republicans in this case because the narrative that has been spun in the recent sex scandals involving Susanna Gibson and other people is that we're mean, you know, we're, oh, and Hunter Biden, like we're weaponizing this, we're, we're, uh, they, they keep using the terms like revenge porn as if these people didn't make these videos and these photos all on their own and put them on the internet. But beyond that, I would just like to vote for Republicans. Republicans is in second place with 21%, Donald Trump leading with 48%, and Aiden Mesa Zorowski with 16% in third. How, though? How will they pin this? Explain it to me. Call in. I want to hear how they're going to work this into, you know, this this congressional staffer had to make a sex tape because of Orange Man Bad. Make me understand. I'm sure there's a way to do it. I'm sure there's a way. I'm just unclear on what that is right now. We will play that sound when we come back. But in the meantime, let's try Mike again, see if we can get a better connection. What's going on, Mike? Uh, Grace, you know, when you read uh, J.M. Paul State. Oh, no, Mike, I'm sorry, man. It's not going to happen. Thank you for the call. Try back another day. It might be it might be the storm. I don't want to blame it on the rain, but it has been very windy today. Now, Emma, let's play the card and cut. So this is the senator whose staffer made a sex tape in the Hart office building hearing room. This was, and, you know, he's not going to comment on it. He, the, the staffer has been fired or let go or whatever verbiage they want to use. But this is a man who has clutched his pearls before. So I have to assume he needs a fainting couch for the sex tape that his congressional staffer made. This was him talking about January 6th. January the 6th, like December the 7th and September the 11th, is a date which will live in infamy. 
I refer to U.S. Capitol as sacred space because it's so much more than a building where the Senate and the House of Representatives meet and conduct business. It is the embodiment of our ideals, our aspirations, and hope, not just to Americans, but also to all of humanity. I would guess that it being used as the backdrop of a porno is not something the senator's okay with. We'll talk more about that and so much more when we come back. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio. Welcome back, everyone, to the Grace Curley Show. I know I keep referencing this Senate sex tape, but it really is crazy. And I've, I've seen scandals. You know, I'm not, I don't think I'm naive to the fact that a lot of these politicians are slimy. But I didn't realize the bizarreness of what goes on in D.C. Sitting in between Chris Coons and Amy Klobuchar's Senate seats in a hearing room in the Senate to film a sex tape for a D.C. uh, website of gay men. I... I don't know that, that that's a new one on me. And you know what I wanted to add to that, Emma, is that the congressional staffer allegedly seen in the leaked video could face charges. This is this is a really big deal. It's not getting as much play as I would have thought. Um, people seem to be kind of brushing this off. All I could think about was the George Costanza moment on Seinfeld where he gets caught having sex with the cleaning lady at work. And this was his response to his boss. I don't know if this congressional staffer tried this with Senator Ben Cardin, if he if he tried to use this excuse. But let's play Costanza cut 21. Was that wrong? <laughs> Should I not have done that? Yeah. Are, are we not supposed to be filming sex tapes in, in hearing rooms in the Senate? Had I known, I wouldn't have done it. I I really can't even imagine what the excuses are going to be as this story continues to unfold. Uh, Another big story today, and this is kind of twofold because you're seeing it everywhere. You're seeing it in Chicago. You're seeing it in New York City. You're seeing it in Boston. We talked about how Maura Healy at one point was telling us all hands on deck for the illegal aliens pouring in through the border. And... A lot of places way back when, before it came at a cost, they declared themselves sanctuary cities. And this was a very cool thing to do. This was in vogue at one point. You could declare yourself a sanctuary city and you knew that you weren't going to have to actually deal with providing sanctuary because most of that was uh, put on the shoulders of border towns in Texas and Arizona. And so that is why Mayor Eric Adams was proud to announce that the Big Apple was a sanctuary city. Governor Moore Healy in Massachusetts, Marty Walsh when he was mayor. So many people, so many progressives bragged about the fact that they were the hosts of sanctuary cities and sanctuary states. And now the chickens have come home to roost. And you're seeing that... Providing sanctuary for people is not as easy or as budget-friendly as a lot of these Democrats thought it would be. 
And actually, I don't even think they, I don't think that they necessarily thought it wouldn't be this expensive. I just don't think they ever thought they would have to do this. They thought they could keep, it's like when you're having a wedding and you go, well, you know what, send so-and-so an invitation and they're never going to come. You know, they live in Ireland. They're not going to show up. You, you don't know. You know, you don't know who's going to take you up on the invitation. You have to operate under the assumption that they could say yes. And that's what we're seeing now. So Mayor Eric Adams, he he opens up the doors for everyone, you know, and, and he welcomes everyone to the Big Apple. People start taking him up on the offer. And then all of a sudden he wants to pivot and say, listen, the inn is closed. There's no more room at the inn. You got to go elsewhere. Now he's re-ticketing to people to, you know, the border, the northern border. And he's re-ticketing people all over the rest of the country. And he's he's trying to play the victim in all this and say, you know, the federal government's not helping us. And since then, he's been dealing with his own scandals, having nothing to do with the border crisis. Wink, wink. Like, it has nothing to do with the fact that he was outspoken. He was an outspoken critic against the Biden administration. He just It just so happens that he was the one Democrat mayor who was criticizing Joe Biden. And then all of these other issues started popping up for Eric Adams. But the reason I bring this up is I thought he was going to go one of two roads here. I thought he was either going to totally back off in hopes that maybe Joe Biden and his administration would help him out or help some of his mushrooming scandals, his cascading uh, negative headlines go away. Or he would just he would just try one last time, you know, like he would just go full out. He, He would put the pedal to the metal and see what would happen, like go out, go out with style, you know, and I think he's going the second route. Because it says Big Apple Mayor Eric Adams, this is the New York Post, has kicked open the door to tax hikes and city layoffs, blaming the Biden administration for the threatened wallops to taxpayer wallets. So he is officially pointing the finger at Biden. He's been, you know, alluding to it, but this is the first time I've seen that he's not pulling any punches. It says Adams has said his administration is struggling to close New York City's expected $7 billion budget gap next year, given whopping migrant costs. Now, this is a quote from Eric Adams. He says, if you are a homeowner and you have budgeted yourself for your rent, your electricity, your water, etc., then all of a sudden your roof caves in, your insurance policy should pick up on that. Our insurance policy was the federal government. They're not paying us. Now, I actually take issue with this because, trust me, do I love to see a Democrat turn on another Democrat? Absolutely. Do I love to see Eric Adams turn on the president? One thousand percent. But I would argue that another insurance policy that's probably a little bit more foolproof than just hoping the federal government's going to bail you out would be not making your city a declared sanctuary city in the first place, not guaranteeing that people could set up shop there and live high on the hog at the cost of taxpayers to begin with. Even if you were throwing it out as an empty promise, a good insurance policy would be not making the promise in the first place. That's number one. Then he goes on to say, He was asked about raising property taxes on the wealthy, and he replied, everything's on the table. That's all I can say. 
But he did note that when you start raising taxes on middle income, low income New Yorkers, you're placing them further in the hole. So he's talking about putting more taxes on the wealthy. There's also already been a mass exodus of people from New York City, especially the uber wealthy. So what I read this as, he says, everything's on the table. That's all I can say. I'll translate that for you. Howie Carr is about to get even more new neighbors. That's all I can say. People are moving to Florida. The consensus... Um, or I'm sorry, no consensus. The census last year showed that I think over 500,000 people left New York to move to Florida and move to Texas, among other states. So how are we going to get new neighbors if Eric Adams thinks to make up for this $7 billion budget gap, he's going to start taxing the wealthy even more than they're already being taxed and then trying to blame it on the Biden administration, which, like I said, of course, a lot of this falls on Joe Biden. But Joe Biden didn't make Eric Adams declare himself a sanctuary city, declare New York City a sanctuary city. That wasn't Joe Biden's uh, fault as much as he wants to make it that. Now, speaking of budget problems, a lot of Democrats facing budget cuts, Okay. I've got another story for you, and it ties in. Another formerly beautiful city that has since been destroyed by Democrat policies, the liberal agenda, the progressive ideology, that would be San Francisco. It says San Francisco reparations office on hold due to budget cuts. San Francisco's first ever office of reparations, dare I say last ever, based off the budget cuts, Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe they'll find the money for this. Is among the programs gutted by Mayor London Breed's budget cuts. This is from the SF Examiner. It says funding for the office was erased as part of Breed's $75 million cuts to the city budget in preparation for a major deficit in 2024. Later in the piece, it says Cheryl Davis, the executive director of the San Francisco Human Rights Commission, told the examiner that despite the cuts to the Office of Reparations, the city continues to work on several of the reparation plans recommendations. I just want to mention that some of those ideas, and we've talked a lot about them on the show, and I focused on the money aspect. And then people would get mad at me and say, you shouldn't be focusing on how much money they're going to give in reparations. You should be focused on why we shouldn't be giving reparations at all. But what can I say? The money stands out to me. You hear these crazy numbers and you're like, how on earth can California afford that? And of course, the answer is they can't. They can't afford anything right now. But what really makes me laugh about this is that the budget for the Office of Reparations, they initially asked... For $50 million, $50 million to be set aside for the creation of the Office of Reparations. Then they finally narrowed it to a request of $10 million. And ultimately, they settled for $2 million. Now, that $2 million is gone, not just from this year's budget, according to the examiner, but in each of the next two years as well. So the budget's gone. The reason I bring this up is because the... San Francisco Office of Reparations has floated ideas. Some of their, you know, committee members, some of these town halls they have or these meetings they have. I've heard ideas before about $5 million should go to each eligible recipient for reparations. So you're going to try to give each eligible recipient and we can fight over who's eligible and who's not later. 
You're going to give each eligible recipient $5 million, but the office itself has been cut from the budget. If you have to cut the office of reparations because you don't have enough money in the budget, I'm going to go out on a limb and say you don't have enough money to be given each person $5 million. But I was never good at math in school, so don't take my word for it. 844-500-4242. We will be back. We'll take your calls on this. And I also want to talk about Harvard because I have good news on that front. You know, Harvard has been through a lot the last couple of weeks. You know, our hearts are with Harvard. Claudine Gay has been through the ringer because of her congressional hearings. But uh, I've got some good news regarding Harvard University, and I think you guys are going to appreciate it. So stay tuned for that. You know, Christmas time is almost here. And I always find Emma around this time of year is when people start to panic buy. You know, you start browsing online and you start going through your list and saying, oh, gosh, I got to send my aunt something. I'll just buy her a pair of gloves. I got to find something for my nephew. And that's when I feel as though you start to waste money because you're getting stuff people don't really want. I like to send gifts I know people are going to love. And if you are someone who has someone on your list and you just can't figure out the perfect gift, I have the idea for you. It's a delicious box of Omaha Steaks. This is a gift package that is guaranteed to make spirits bright all winter long. It's such a thoughtful gift and it's such a useful gift. Like there's nothing here that's going to go to waste. Everyone loves food. Everyone loves steaks, hamburgers, hot dogs, chicken, fish, uh, sides, desserts. Everyone loves that stuff. And plus, people love not having to go to the grocery store. They love having food at the ready around this time of year when things can get so hectic. So go to omahasteaks.com and save 50% off site-wide. A lot of people have been texting in what they're cooking up, what they're making. I really appreciate that. And for people who have been asking me how long the deal is going to last, this is prime time. It's not going to last a lot longer. So don't wait. Don't put this off. Go to omahasteaks.com. Save 50% off site-wide. Plus, here's the key. You're going to save an additional $30 off if you use promo code GRACE. Now, they have everything you could possibly want. I love the steaks. I love the hamburgers. Emma is very adventurous. You're, you're a little bit of a chef, Emma. And you cooked up some pork chops. I did, yes. And they were fantastic. And we can all testify to this as a gift because we all receive it on our birthday from Howie and the Mailroom Manager. So we know how good of a gift this is, especially it, the pork chops. It really is, Emma, and you get a lot of bang for your buck. This isn't something where you're going to order this from someone and they're going to get a small pack. This is this package can last you a very long time. It is stocked full of delicious stuff for whoever in your life loves whether it's meat chicken fish there's so many options so omaha steaks is a great gift that will be remembered and you'll be remembered every time your loved one goes to their fridge or their freezer and pulls out something delicious they're gonna think of you so go to omahasteaks.com and take advantage of this 50 percent off site-wide plus use promo code grace at checkout to get that extra 30 dollars off your order you can't beat that that's omahasteaks.com don't forget to use code GRACE at checkout. Minimum order may be required. We will be right back with more. This is the Grace Curly Show. Hi, it's Toby from Cape Gunworks. I'm taking all your firearm and self-defense questions every Tuesday. Join Grace and me for 2A Tuesday, Tuesdays at 2 p.m.
This is The Grace Curley Show. Welcome back, everybody, to The Grace Curley Show. Thank you all so much for tuning in today and every weekday from 12 to 3. Don't forget, if you miss any of the hours, you can always find them wherever you get your podcasts. Share them with a friend. We've been getting a lot of new listeners lately, which I really appreciate. So make sure you spread the word. Uh, When we come back, I will talk about Jim Biden and his... His past. I mean, the the Biden family, it really is the Biden crime family. They make other crime families pale in comparison. I used to think, like, who's worse, the Kennedys or the Bidens? Because the Kennedys have had so many scandals. If you've ever read Kennedy Babylon 1 or Kennedy Babylon 2, you'd probably know that. Or even if you just listen to Howie Shore, if you're from this area, you probably know that. But, you know, the more I read from, like, Peter Schweitzer and other people about the Bidens, Miranda Devine... There's something about this family that sticks out. I don't know if it's the fact that they were so brazen about their corruption or the fact that now the media refuses to cover it, which adds like a layer of frustration to it all. But it's definitely uh, worth discussing. And we will do that when we come back. One thing I wanted to mention, though, here, we were just talking about the Senate sex tape. And this news broke on Friday. The Daily Caller uh, put up a video of this congressional staffer having sex with another man at the uh, Hart building, the Hart office building, Senate hearing room. And the reason I bring this up is because there's been so many scandals. And, and Jill Biden, Jill Biden, Dr. B, Nana, as we like to call her here, she once said that when Biden was running, he was going to put decency back in the White House. And we've been seeing so much decency. There, there's been so much decency, Emma. My little heart can't take no more. That's how much decency we have been witnessing over the past couple of years. And I just want to say, and I know it's different, like some of the people I'm about to mention work for the White House and not necessarily for uh, a senator. But I have to say, But there must be people who have resigned over the past few years who are looking at these stories that are coming out and saying, why on earth did I step aside? Like this, this man who filmed himself having sex in in the in the uh, Hart office building, he's a victim now. The media is going to run cover for him. And you know who my mind first went to was Sam Brinton, whose biggest crime was what? Allegedly stealing some luggage off of airport carousels. He must be thinking, I got in so much trouble for this, for stealing people's clothes. Are you serious? That That's nothing. And then I thought about T.J. Ducklow. Remember T.J. Ducklow? T.J. Ducklow was on was in the Biden administration And then a reporter called him snooping around about how he was dating a reporter from Axios. And he laid into this reporter and was like really threatening and strange. But I mean, compare that to some of the stories we've had. Forget over the last year. How about the last month? Last three months? There's a story every day about some sort of debauchery or some sort of seedy behavior that's coming out of the Democrat Party and sometimes the Republican Party, but mostly I would say the Democrat Party. If I'm T.J. Ducklow, I'm looking at all this and I'm thinking, man, I was a sucker. I made a couple 
Andrew Cuomo style threatening mafia like phone calls and I resigned you should have hung in there 844-500-4242 don't feel too bad for TJ Ducklow though I think he's back working for Biden Inc we'll be back with more don't go anywhere <laughs> 